Welcome to White Coats of the Round Table. My name's Mike Asbeck, and I'm here, as always, with John McDonald. We're a healthcare podcast dedicated to career development, burnout prevention, and non-clinical careers. John, good morning. How are you? I'm still waking up. Kids were late on the bus, so good morning <laughs> to everybody. Yes, the uh, the morning recording times are tough, especially coming off a holiday weekend, but I'm glad you made it, and I've got a lot of excitement, even though we're maybe a little bit bleary-eyed. We've got a really fun topic today. John, before I'm going to turn it over to you to discuss or to intro our guest, I want to start with a very exciting announcement. So today's podcast is actually a first one in a series where we have a really exciting partnership. So this podcast today is made possible by Thrive AP, which is a transition of practice solution for PAs, NPs, and the facilities that employ them. Thrive AP's educational curriculums accelerate skill application of advanced practice providers, improving outcomes, retention, and career satisfaction. Today, we're talking about the importance of transition to practice resources. If you're a new advanced practice provider, you know that starting your career can be a daunting task. There's so much to learn, and it can be hard to know where to start. That's where transition to practice resources come in. Transition to practice resources can help you learn the skills and knowledge you need to succeed in your new role. They can also provide you with support and guidance as you navigate the challenges of starting your career. If you're a new advanced practice provider, I encourage you to check out Thrive AP. Thrive AP is a leading provider of transition to practice solutions. They offer solutions that blend didactic education, professional development, mentorship, and community. Thrive AP can help you make a smooth transition to practice and succeed in your new career. So what are you waiting for? Visit Thrive AP today and start your journey to success. John, with that, I'm going to turn it over to you. Let's introduce the guests because I'm already very excited about this topic. Today, again, exciting guests uh, from Thrive AP. Today, we've got Veronica Hill with us. She's a DNP and has our CRNP serving as the Vice President of Clinical Operations at Thrive AP. So we're going to hear a little bit from her today, but let's give a little background. Veronica is board certified in family medicine and has been practicing internal medicine in rural and underserved communities for more than 15 years. At Thrive AP, she oversees the development and maintenance of our transition to practice curriculums, leads the programs and operation team, she is also part of our clinical education speaking team and speaks on various internal medicine topics. But lastly, she's passionate about transition to practice and the vital role it plays in the delivery of modern and quality of patient care, which is exactly what Thrive AP is all about. Veronica has dedicated much of her professional time to sharing from her own clinical experiences, especially when it comes to getting new NPs and PAs acclimated to the professions. The transition to practice curriculums, she has been instrumental in developing for NP and PAs have proven to make significant impacts on organizational success and job satisfaction. She's also published in multiple journals and actively presents at various events and conferences across the nation. Uh, she received her Master's of Science in Nursing from Vanderbilt and her Doctor of Nursing practice from Auburn U University. Um, 
I wish that every time I entered a a dinner that somebody would stomp that stick and yell the stuff out of what I've done in the past. I haven't done enough to have one of those guys say anything impressive, but Veronica, you have an impressive history and seems like you spent a lot of time in school too. Thanks. It does not feel like it, but I guess over time, this is what happens if you stay in a profession long enough. <laughs> well, what what did I miss here? Anything important or uh, life-shattering that I may have missed so that our audience can get to know you? Um, I am a military spouse, so I have gotten the chance to live really all over the world and really learn about the, the profession from different people's perspectives all over, mostly the country for there, but did um, some time in Europe working in a military facility there. But um, really, I, I see that as an opportunity to get to learn and experience all the different states to how our professions are really looked at differently, but that's sometimes similarly too. So before we get into discussing transition to practice, Veronica, I'd love to hear your journey into this current role. I know, I think you're somewhat familiar with the podcasting. We love to discuss non-traditional career paths because so often I think healthcare professionals maybe sometimes feel trapped. They feel like they've spent all this time learning how to be clinical and then maybe don't understand how many different roles there are that are non-clinical or non-traditional. And certainly this this role with Thrive AP has put you in a non-traditional role. I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey to this role. Yeah, it is uh, all over the place, to be honest. And it's really taking a lot of, of chances, I would say, even if they don't seem like uh, the right choice at the time, really watch, you know, watch it through you know, pursue it. And so how this started really is a colleague of mine from Vanderbilt start, she started Thrive AP to be honest here, but her and I stayed in touch. Um, I was working in internal medicine and she asked me to speak on a topic. So it started with just a friend going to school. She had this, this program we have here, which was much, much smaller and just asked, hey, would you be interested in speaking to a group of seven people about low back pain in primary care? And I thought, sure, I could, I could definitely do that. You know, there's so much MSK that we see in primary care. So started there um, and jumped in with everything that I had. And I think that's what's a little bit different that we have to really kind of keep in mind is that when you start something you know, give 110% and see see what happens. And so I, I spoke for Thrive for a couple of years first, and then it turned into, hey, Veronica, can you lead one of our classes? Well, sure, I can do that just a couple hours a week. And then it kind of snowballed from there and just kept saying yes, but within the boundaries that I had. And so initially speaking was something I had no idea, didn't think about doing for any kind of um, organization or, or long term, but this is what it turned into. That's really exciting. And there's two different takeaways, I think, from that that I want to highlight is one, that so many jobs come from networking. <laughs> John and I last week talked about cover letters. And within that, John had cited a couple statistics that 70% of jobs are never listed. And 80% of jobs are driven by professional networking. So what a great example where just 
keeping in touch with former classmates, you know, using that alumni network, I think has developed an opportunity that I'm assuming was probably never posted on indeed.com, but rather something that, you know, the, the position was created as the company expanded. I think the other exciting thing about it is what a great journey in the sense that you were able to take a passion of yours, presumably education, and start with it as a side hustle, but then continue to find success in that role and see that role continue to grow as well. I think it's such a, a great path because so often people are scared that if they leave clinical practice and they jump into a new career with both feet, that maybe they fail, maybe there's some imposter syndrome. And the fact that you were able to, what it sounds like, slowly make that transition as, as everything continued to have growth and succeed, it's a really wonderful path that I think hopefully a lot of people can emulate. I hope so. I hope because you, you've got to expand, you know, go a little bit outside of what you're comfortable with. And then you never know what will happen. So Veronica, tell us a little bit about Thrive AP. We talked about it a little bit in the ad read to start this, but I'd love to hear just an overview from your perspective of what Thrive AP does and what services it provides and benefits that it can offer for people. Yeah, thank you. So Thrive AP, you know, we are the didactic component of residencies, fellowships, transition to practice programs. We didn't always start as that. Initially, we started as just a support system for those working in federally qualified health centers. And again, that snowballed into something different to now fast forward. We started in 2016. Fast forward to 2020, um, employers were reaching out to us saying, hey, we see what you're doing. Would you be willing to do this for our transition to practice program, our onboarding program, or organizations that are wanting to start fellowships or residencies. There are certain dimensions that are required for them, and all of them have an educational component. And so that becomes the most difficult and cumbersome piece of a program to maintain, to develop and then maintain And so that's where we ended up finding our niche is really just being the easy button for that component of transition practice type programs. We do provide up-to-date evidence-based education on a weekly basis, but it is application-based. It is not just a regurgitation of school. Everybody in our program is board certified. They're licensed. They know the material, but the difference is how do you apply that into real life practice. And so that's where our network of speakers come in that share their experiences and then really teach the learner how to apply what they're talking about into practice. So we've had over 600 people go through our program now and um, we're continuing to grow and just really excited about all that we're doing for our professions. Do you do modules a la carte for companies who are working to use Thrive AP holistically? We do not intentionally. And the, the reason is, is because um, our program is 12 months in length. Now we do have different programs for multiple different service lines, but the whole idea is, is that This is transition to practice and evidence repeatedly shows that you need at least 12 months for that transition period. And so we provide that support and mentorship 
as the new APP grows within their first year or so of practice. And so we get asked a lot, well, can we do partition out this module or this module? But, um, you know, that is not something that, that's not why we're here. We're not CECME. We are truly helping, you know, the, the new graduate transition into practice. And you mentioned um, using mentors. Mm -hmm. We do. Each one of our classes is led by a very seasoned nurse practitioner or physician associate. And so they are somebody that is assigned to the participant. They're with them every single week and they have office hours. They meet regularly. Um, yes, they're in a larger cohort, but they have that individual time with their learner just to, or with their uh, clinical faculty just to really, you know, have one-on-one -on -one questions. Um, we don't do anything that's specific to patient cases. Um, you know, we'll leave that for on-site. But as far as professional development or managing difficult patient scenarios, um, that is what we provide the support for. I, I think this is such a timely topic as we're coming out of COVID and certainly nurse practitioners and physician associates state by state have been gaining more autonomy. And we're seeing more and more independent practice or certainly a, a removal of supervision requirements for PAs. And it's like the, uh, the old corny Spider-Man comment, right? With great power comes great responsibility. And I'm the biggest advocate of greater autonomy because I think that does not necessarily change scope of practice. We were talking about this a little bit before we came on live. A, a change to a great, a more autonomous practice model does not mean that all of a sudden PAs and NPs are going to go perform brain surgery. But what it does mean is I think that our profession and as individuals has a greater responsibility to understand our limits, to understand our scope of practice, but then also continue to make sure that we are prepared to shoulder that heavy burden that comes with having greater autonomy, having greater responsibility. I love my profession. I love being a PA because I love that I was able to trade, you know, less schooling or, you know, trade off a long residency to enter practice and then learn on the job. My scope of practice was very different 11 years ago than where it is right now. And I love that about the profession. But at the same time, I think it's so critical that we have those resources, especially as we have more PAs, more NPs coming into practice that maybe don't know where to even start. Maybe employers don't know where to start. So can I maybe take a step back? I know we talked specifically about Thrive AP and the way that you guys are trying to address this unmet need in the market, but I'd love to talk more specifically just about residencies in general. I think from a pharmacy perspective, we don't want to leave John out of the conversation. PA, NP, and even pharmacy, we're seeing a lot of these professions where there is the ability to move from specialty to specialty there is a huge need to make sure that there's resources out there to help people transition because it's not even just new grads. It may be someone transitioning to a different practice setting, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on just the development of residencies because I think right now the current state of affairs, maybe pharmacy is more developed, John, but everything is still very kind of loose and informal. I don't think there's a, a an accrediting body at this point, but I'd love your thoughts on this, Veronica. Yes, it is. Um, we, we've definitely come a long way. For one, um, you know, the first nurse practitioner residency was in 2007. You know, now fast forward to where we are, uh, numerous places have residencies, fellowships. 
there actually are two accrediting bodies for these types of programs. So you have the consortium and then you have um, APSA, so the Advanced Practice Provider Fellowship Accreditation through ANCC. And so both of those organizations are working incredibly hard just to provide standardization because we know that the support is necessary. You know, the National Academy of Medicine called for these types of programs twice, first in 2010 and then again in 2015. And so you have these two innovative organizations that have really stepped up and said, yes, okay, we know we need these. Let's provide some structure, some support. And so, again, that's where um, both organizations require um, a lengthy transition to practice type program because the evidence does support that you need that amount of time to really start to feel just efficient and somewhat confident in their practice. So as organizations, we're getting more and more sophisticated in these types of programs. And so it's actually been great to see. Just went down and I spoke at a conference in Orlando for ANCC on these types of accrediting programs. And um, it's fascinating. There is a lot of work that's being done to, like you said earlier, Mike, really to support these uh, full practice authority, but it's not, it's really just to enforce that we can work to the scope of our practice. And within that, we do need support to do that. You can't just be thrown to the wolves out there. You need seasoned APPs to help support you through that process. And so these two organizations are doing that. They're standardizing it though. And so it is, um, it's something that is really, you know, kind of turning a corner and getting more and more um, just profound. And so I'm, I'm happy to support it. I'm really, really excited that we can be a part of this together. I take a lot of students and I always tell them that don't get dazzled by the job right out of school that's going to pay you this high six-figure wage because a lot of times those jobs that are paying you know above market for a new graduate are doing so for a reason they're going to take your pound of flesh and maybe it's an urgent care and you're going to be a new grad provider in a rural urgent care with no backup with no mentorship and one of the most important things as a new grad especially because we are not doing formalized postgraduate residencies is making sure that you have that first job where you have good mentorship good support and historically maybe you know 30 years ago that would have been the physician owner hiring a PA or an NP to to work in that role and then taking them under their wing. But obviously medicine has changed and most physicians are no longer owners, but employees. And I think as that transition to more corporate practice of medicine has occurred, the need for these types of programs just continues to grow. So it's exciting that we're maybe starting to get to the point where that's becoming more formal and it is. seeing it kind of become something that really can be a, a tool for us instead of a, a loose hodgepodge of different programs. Well, and I also want to emphasize too that orientation is not onboarding. And a lot of people really need to understand that, you know, orientation may be two weeks or so into that particular organization, but that doesn't onboard you into your profession. And so you don't need a formal fellowship or residency program or some you know, formal transition to practice program. But if they just offer you support, you know you're in a good place to work. You're in a good environment. And that's what I would encourage would encourage new graduates to look for. 
Absolutely. Well, let's pause here and let's take a minute to just hear from our sponsor. Discussing Thrive AP as we are here with Veronica. Are you a new advanced practice provider or changing specialties? If so, you know that the transition to practice can be a challenging time. You're learning new skills, navigating a new environment, and trying to grow your professional acumen. That's where Thrive AP can help. Thrive AP is a leading provider of transition to practice solutions. They offer a variety of solutions, including live and virtual curriculums, professional development, CME workshops, and more. These will help you succeed. With Thrive AP, gain access to the support and guidance you need to make a smooth transition to practice. You'll learn from experienced, nationally renowned providers, gain access to the latest evidence-based research, and build your confidence. So don't go it alone. Let Thrive AP help you thrive, see what we did there, in your new career. Visit our website today to learn more. So uh, story time. When when I first uh, left traditional work and went to, to work in the uh, clinical setting, I was going to a med surge position and I didn't think I was qualified because I had gone for a residency in school and I didn't match the program holding the residency should never promise a position, right? So, but we had a conversation and, and sounded like I was getting the position. So I put all mags in that basket. And when match day came, didn't match. And I could have gone out to Washington State out near Seattle, Tacoma and work out there. But I was just, we had our first kid and I was like, oh, we're, we're not going to go out there. I finally get this interview at a position usually requiring a residency. And I'm on my last interview with a director and I say, Hey, listen, I know that I didn't get a residency, but I'm willing to learn. I I'm a fast learner. I'm a visual learner and I work well in a team. And he sits back. He's like, listen, you went through school. Okay. You did well from what I understand through school. You passed your boards. That's all I care about. Like, you know how to do the work. You know how to, to find the answers you're looking for. Just, I'm not worried about it. And then I had some great instruction. It was all very manual work. But let me tell you, during that time, even if my company didn't pay for it, I would have found a company like 5AP for pharmacy to transition into the roles like the the bare minimum things that you should know that maybe a resident would get in the first couple months, like would, would help your career explode in that new position. You, you get over those humps real quick and I wish I had something like that, but it, it's again, not a ton of information that somebody smarter than you can only take in. It's just, it's res residency level information that is compacted, digestible for actual practice. And it sounds like something that I could have used. I mean, it's really creating wisdom, right? That's what wisdom is, is taking that knowledge and applying it. And so we, we know it takes years to do that, but these types of programs have shown to really condense that. And so it's, it's a win-win for both, you know, the employer and the employee. And so the, the benefits of both, you know, are very evident. They're in the literature as, you know, both qualitative and quantitative metrics for both. So it's, it's fascinating, John, I'm glad they, they took, it sounds like they took that chance with you and it, you need somebody that's going to invest in you. 
It doesn't have to be formal. Yeah, it has to be some sort of a resource to give you some support, um, whether that be a company like yours or mentorship close to home. Either way, you need that to be successful because there are folks who didn't take that route and they weren't as successful for sure. I mean, that was me. I didn't have that. I went to a fantastic school, got out of school, felt fine. I felt very confident clinically with that, you know, the, the clinical knowledge. But the, when I walked into a patient room, you know, as a young mid in my mid twenties and you have this older person there, who are you? Are you old enough to be seeing patients? You know, it's how do you approach that? How do you, you know, really feel confident and to speak to those patients? Yeah, it's so true though. We have two providers here, both PAs, well, and an NP, all of which that have been out of school for less than two years. And certainly we have a lot of discussion about clinical cases, but very often it ends up being discussions about, well, you know, therapeutic alliance. Well, what do I do if a patient is difficult? Or what do what do I do if a patient is, you know, not following up on my treatment recommendations? And these more nuanced things that when you've been doing this for maybe five to 10 years, it just comes naturally because you've built that experience. But, you know, learning how to build that connection with a difficult patient or learning how to ask questions about medication compliance in a non-judgmental way, those things take time. And that's really where mentorship, where these types of programs can come in. So Veronica, I've got a question with that to tie, kind of tie into John's story. What advice would you give for PAs or NPs, and maybe we even expanded out to just healthcare professionals in general that are new graduates or maybe transitioning to a new specialty or a new role, and that employer does not have a formalized onboarding program, they do not have access to a formal residency program. How can they find these types of resources to make sure that they're preparing themselves and putting themselves in a position to succeed as they transition to a new role? Yeah, I mean, I... We're going to find most of our graduates in that first scenario that you said that they're going into organizations that don't have this. And so you really have to ask more questions about what is that organization like? That doesn't mean that they're not going to be supportive. And so a couple things they can ask for are, do they have an APC or a advanced practice council? APCs are what they're called. Do they have any kind of leadership team? that is showing that that organization is, is pretty innovative. Or is a nurse practitioner or physician associate in a leadership position? You know right there that there's going to be support for them. It may not be formal, like you said, but it, they're going to have something there. And then if they don't have any of that, um, you just have to prioritize for them what, what they want in the position. Is it location? Is it close to home hours, pay, et cetera. But some of those things you can really kind of wax and wane, choose what you want to or not. But if this is something that you want growth, you want to become a leader, you want to educate, be a preceptor, you really have to seek out those, those employers that may offer that. And I know you've talked about on the podcast before to not just take that first job that comes. Go ahead and, and keep searching, keep asking those questions. Ask the employer what their transition or practice program is. And remember that if they say, well, they have a two-week orientation, that's not onboarding. 
that you need more than that. You need more support than that. Um, you know, evidence shows that you're going to see more patients. You're going to provide more access to care if you're in a fellowship residency or transition to practice program. And so you can start to advocate for yourself and for others in your profession by asking about transition to practice programs. At Thrive, that's actually how we have a few of our current client partners is because they were interviewing folks and they asked them, well, what's your transition to practice program? And so the director didn't know. And so he Googled transition to practice program and found Thrive AP. And so that's how we've been connected with a few, but we've got to ask, we've got to get out there and have our, you know, our new grads or even those switching um, specialties ask for it or build it. You know, if you have initiative, you have leadership, you know, be there the first year or so and then and tell them in your three to five year plan, you would like to build one of these programs. Well, it seems like this is like perfect timing right now coming out of uh, the last uh, little bit of school, finishing up finals and then taking boards and certifying. Um, we're going to have a lot of folks going into their initial practice needing a transition like this. So sounds like this was a call to action for those listening and going to take uh, on a new role at a new provider's clinic or, or system. Yes, it's bigger than Thrive AP. You know, it is what we need to do for each other. We need to support each other as nurse practitioners and physician associates. And really just, this is our next generation of providers, right? And so we've got to get them trained and confident because a lot of the um, compensation models are moving to RBU-based as well. And so just know that these programs time and time again show that they um, they collect more revenue when they, they go through a program like this. Yeah, that's great. I, I think maybe the call to action from today's episode is that if you're listening to this and you are a provider, maybe a PA, an NP, and you don't have transition to practice materials at your current employer or you're a new grad and you're looking for it, like Veronica said, ask for it. There's so much available and there's so many opportunities to grow as a provider, to improve outcomes within the organization. And a lot of times it's not an unwillingness to do so, but rather just a lack of understanding or knowledge. Even internally here at, at my practice, we're in the process of building out a, a bit of a test case with a psych PA or psych NP fellowship. And the idea is that maybe a six to 12 month residency. And it's actually going to coincide. We're trying to build out a, a neuropsychiatry um, fellowship for physicians. And as we're doing that, we figured, hey, it makes sense to kind of not do the work twice, but rather have some extension of this for APPs. But we've recognized that there is a huge unmet need for more formalized training for psych specifically. And we're trying to do something about it. And at, at our practice, it wasn't a unwillingness to do so, but rather the administrators at the practice just didn't recognize that it was an unmet need. And once we started having these conversations, they're very supportive. Obviously, they want the numbers to work. They, they're not willing to put you know, five figures behind this, but they were willing to invest into this and make sure that if we felt that we could improve outcomes, we could improve financials, we could improve patient care. Mm -hmm. That's something that generally everybody's going to be supportive of. So ask those questions. Make sure you're having conversations about what kind of resources 
are available either at a prospective job or at your current employer. I'm going to I'm going to speak to those uh, anxiety ridden people out there today. There's probably three responses you can get from this asking your your new boss. One, they can say no. (laughs) And then then you should start looking for another job because you don't want to work for somebody who doesn't want to give you resources and support. Two, they can say, we don't have anything like that. Let me hook you up with the um, the attending or the specialist in that area. Win-win right there. You get to spend that time directly with that person. Or third, they say, we don't have anything like that, and that's a good idea. And they'll pay for something for you to get that education. So there's really no losing here. Uh, this is about your education and successfully transitioning into a career that you really care about. So ask and know that those are the only three things that can happen. Sure, there could be some other ones I can make up, but then we're just getting into my imagination. We don't want to do that. So Veronica, any final words? Yeah, I would just say in closing, um, thank you to everyone that's out there for choosing this profession as a PA or an NP. Um, It's a great time. We are making a lot of strides as an organization. We're coming together as a team to just provide better care for everyone out there. And so transition to practice is, is one of those ways we can do it, but there's so much out there. However, you can give back to your community or your profession, I would encourage you to do so. Such a great uh, thing to close on. I love that. So John and Veronica, let's transition to personal items. We like to finish each show with a little bit of a discussion of something that is not healthcare, not career related. Healthcare can be all consuming and we want to make sure that we retain our humanity. So especially coming off of a, a wonderful holiday weekend, I'm hoping we all have some interesting things. John, do you want to go first? We'll we'll give Veronica some time since we always love to put our guests on the spot. You know, Mike, I, I feel like every time that you and I are together, I go first and I feel like I know exactly what I'm going to talk about. And so if you don't go first this time, I'm going to stick with what I'm talking about. You want me to go first? Yeah. I, okay, yeah. I'll go first. So my personal item is going to be about John, actually. So John and his family drove out to Buffalo on Sunday of Memorial Day weekend and we had Mexican night. So we had fish tacos. We did Korean barbecue beef. We had some really good margaritas. It was 80 degrees out. We, we set up the swimming pool for the kids and they were playing in the sprinkler. And John and I have kids, well, eight boys between the two of us. So we've got uh, a lot of kids and they're all the same age. And we were remarking to each other on Sunday how lovely it is because my youngest is almost three and your youngest is four, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he just turned five, actually. Oh, my gosh. So his youngest is five. So we are now exiting baby stage. And the adults were able to sit on the patio and drink margaritas. Yeah. And the kids were generally self-sufficient. And it was just so lovely. I, I, I loved having babies. They're cute and they're snuggly. But I just continue to be excited for this next, next phase of life where the kids can all wipe their own butts. They can generally put themselves to bed. And yes, we still have to break up fights and keep them from killing each other. But we also got to visit and enjoy adult conversation, which is something that has been maybe hard to come by for the past eight years because there's always been a crying baby or, you know, things like that. So it's it's just lovely as John, you and I are in similar stages of life where we're transitioning out of baby phase and into that next phase. It's been fun. Yeah, I'd have to admit that I am so excited to be out of baby phase. That is not my phase to be in. Uh, but for me, uh, 
I am convinced that I have SAD, okay? Because now that the sun has been consistently out, I'm waking up happier and happier. It's just like, my goodness, that is news to me. But I've been spending so much time outside, um, really taking advantage. I got, I got a zero turn mower last year, and uh, I've never been one to have all the tools, but man, if you guys like spending time outside, buy a zero turn and noise-canceling headphones. I just finished a book, uh, a, another book on Audible. And Veronica, what about you? Any, uh, us, give us a little bit of human nature. Yeah, we are far outside the baby stage. My youngest is 12, oldest is 16. So we are into a whole different set of headaches, but uh, fun, fun headaches. But fun fact about me is I'm from Milwaukee originally. I'm currently living in South Alabama, like on the Florida border. Florida border. So we, you can't take us out of Milwaukee. Beer and bratwurst and cheese is what we live on. And so this weekend we found Koneka sausage. So now I'm sure if you've heard of that before, but there is a, a town in Alabama called Koneka and they make this amazing sausage. And the kids were like, mom, we can't get sausage, you know, out of your, you know, regular dinner routine. And it's just good. A beer and sausage on the weekend outside. We, we live on, on 10 acres, John. So there's lots for the kids to do. Um, we put them on the zero turn with noise canceling headphones and send them on their way for four hours. That's the stage of life I'm looking forward to where the kids become free labor. Oh, a hundred percent. So because we're on two acres, but the area surrounding us um, is 13 acres on one side and a development just bought the other side. And it's an old farmland. I have an 1830s house. And so there's a lot of fun for the kids to have out there. And I just hope some of it's maintained, you know. Well, fantastic. So before we finish, we're going to end with one more final word from our sponsor, Thrive AP. I'm Mike Asbeck, and I'm a physician assistant. I've been practicing for over 10 years, and I've seen firsthand the challenges that new providers face. This is why I am so passionate about Thrive AP. Thrive AP is a leading provider of transition to practice solutions. They offer live virtual curriculums that blend comprehensive didactic information, professional development, mentorship, and community to help new providers succeed in their new roles. I know how important it is to have access to the right resources when you're starting out. That's why I'm so grateful for Thrive AP. They've helped me to grow as a provider, and they've given me the confidence to succeed in my career. If you're a new provider, I encourage you to check out Thrive AP. They can help you make a smooth transition to practice and succeed in your career. So what are you waiting for? Visit Thrive AP today and start your journey to success. Veronica, thank you so much for coming on. We really had a lot of fun. This was a great topic. It's so exciting not only to have Thrive AP as a partner of the show, but also to hear your passion for this role and just the the unmet need for these transition to practice materials. I'm sure there will be lots of opportunities for us to discuss this more because I think everybody, if you're in healthcare, there's a, a need to continue to reinvest in your career and certainly making sure that you're up to date on education on latest clinical guidelines, but also continued professional development. That's something that everybody needs. So this is a topic that is not going to become, um, it's never going to expire. It's always going to be very relevant. 
But otherwise, thank you for everyone for listening. We're White Coats of the Round Table. You can follow us, like us, share us on all major streaming platforms. If you like what you hear, give us a review. If you don't like what you hear, definitely don't review us. Until next week, I'm Mike and John, and thank you to Veronica. Everybody have a wonderful week. Thank you.